All right, all right, all right. June 15th, Danny Nasty Podcast. Here we go. Are we ready? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Oh, are we going to do a countdown or are we just going to jump okay. in? Okay. Three. <laughs> <laughs> Need a countdown. We can, we can leave that in anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I prefer you, to yeah, leave that in. It. Okay. <laughs> we'll show people that we don't yeah. fucking edit yeah, shit. Yeah, we don't edit shit. All right. All right. Off the yeah. cuff. Danny Nasty Podcast, June 15th on three, two, one. One and we're rolling. Yes, sir. Yep, yep. It's your man, Danny Nassi. Welcome to the Nassi Podcast. I'm feeling super excited right now because I haven't been here in like a month and uh, always worth the wait because I'm here with my man, Lee Evans. Woohoo! My brother from another mother. This man is known to have the sexiest voice in New York City and people just falling at his limbs, wishing they could be with him. But he's taken, he's off the market, he's got a lady, she's very protective of him, so we're very careful about what we say when we interview beautiful women here because we don't wanna make our ladies uncomfortable, nor do we wanna piss them off when we get home. Lee, what's good? What's good, buddy? Yeah, so we always try to kind of weave out on that little fine line because it seems like all the ladies that you bring in here are so beautiful, including our guest tonight. I know. Today, you know, it's going to be awesome. Yes. <laughs> we got we to gotta, we gotta walk that fine line. We got to walk you that fine I mean? line, man. We if, don't, we wanna live, if we want to live to see another podcast. I know. Plus, <laughs> I just want to be clear. We don't gas people up. Like, when they come here, you know, we try to paint the picture for the listener on, like, who's sitting in front of us. I mean, today we have a very, very stylish person here. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you want to you wanna get in on how she looks? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. She's looking at you smiling. Put, put me on the spot. Okay, so yes, we have a very uh, beautiful lady in the house today. Um, but Danny, you, wow, she, she looks amazing, okay? And um, there's, there's nothing more that I can say. Right. She looks so under, so oh, she's, her, her outfit is amazing. Her hairstyle is amazing. Her nails are amazing. <laughs> even even her, 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 her shoes are, like, amazing, you know? So, yes. So everything down to the T. All right. Well, I had to dress up for you guys. Come Thank on. Thank you so much. <laughs> Lee, that was an incredible description, my man. All right, so let's get into this. So today is um, is a super special day because today I have someone uh, that's in the studio and she is like my sister from another mother. I feel like we've known each other in past lives and uh, when we met, there was an immediate connection for me and I also believe for her. And it's just like every time we're together, it's like no time's gone by. Um, I don't know. I think she's like really special, incredibly sincere, very authentic. Um, professionally, she is one of the people in my support system. So I'm 43 years old today and I'm going to be 44 in July. And it's taken me some time to really find good quality people that I can trust mm -hmm. that really have, um, you know, their best interest is for me to do well. And when you have somebody in your life that really wants to see that happen for you, I think it's unique because I don't think that you come across people like that in your life a lot. Mm. And so when you have that, you really have to cherish it. You have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. You have to allow yourself to be honest and you have to be open to listening to what they say and um, making things happen. So today I have Sarah Rotter here. Um, I don't know her exact title, but I would say it's motherfucking boss lady. <laughs> Sarah, say what's up. So what a beautiful intro. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. And that what you just said right now is why I love what I do. And what I do 
technically I'm the, I don't care about titles, but I'm the executive vice president, managing director of downtown for Brown Harris Stevens. Mm -hmm. And I have the good fortune of working with you and many other people that I just thoroughly enjoy. And um, I just love seeing people grow into whatever it is that they want to grow into. Yeah, and I definitely feel that And support them in their process. Yeah, and I definitely feel that about you, you know. Not to make any comparison, but, you know, when we had Bess here, and one thing that you know about Bess also is that everyone that is in her presence absolutely loves her. It's true. There's never one person that has ever said one negative thing about her. It's true. And I always say there's no amount of money in the world that can buy you that kind of love. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like you two... Um, share Mm. that same presence thank you you know what i'm saying that's a huge compliment to me thank you so you you know i have a lot of things i wanted to talk to you about today some are going to be personal some are going to be like things that i'm very thankful for that i want to get into with you but um how did you get into real estate to begin with because i never had that conversation oh yeah sure so it was actually it's interesting um i was pre-med uh i went undergrad i went to maryland and I've always kind of in in my life pursued the things that I love that bring me joy. And in college, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. And I had no idea what I wanted to major in. And I remember one day I looked at my transcript and I saw, okay, most of my classes are in kinesiology, which is movement science. And I said, okay, that'll be my major. That's it. It's what I love. So I did that. And then after college, I I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And I did a pre-med program actually up at Harvard. And um, I did a lot of all of my pre-med requirements in one year, which was very, very intense. And my experience in Boston was great, um, other than the fact that I'm a Bronx girl. They didn't like me very much. Um, But during that period, I was just really looking to just work and make some money. I was sick of being a student. So again, following what I love, I loved exercise. I was, you probably don't know this, but I was a personal trainer. So I was a personal trainer for about, I don't know, a few months. I became a manager of trainers. And I just one day was like, you know what, I'm going to try real estate for the summer. And I had had a bad experience with a broker where they did something really unethical. And They were their own broker and they were super successful. And I thought to myself, what a fun job. You know, you're out and about with people all day and you're seeing great properties and you can make great money doing that. No day is the same. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, let me try it for a summer. I happened to get... an an invitation to meet one of the top brokers in that area. It was just outside of the the city. It was in Brookline, Massachusetts. Top broker. They didn't have room for anyone, but they said, you know what? I love your, your grit, and we're going to hire you and give a tiny little desk to you just to make everybody else in the office jealous. And that's kind of how I was coming into the business. Took my first client out. I loved it and I was hooked and that was it from there. So I loved real estate. I didn't love living in Boston. I missed my family, my friends. I moved back to the city and I was an agent and then quickly became, uh, I got recruited to become a manager and that's kind of how it all started. Dude, you know, I've been to Boston a few yes. times. I like Boston. You, yeah. 
It's my great. My experience of every girl I've ever met in Boston, yeah. this is going to sound really weird, yeah. but every girl I've ever met in Boston has a nipple ring. Really? Yeah. Have you ever met girls from Boston or seen any of them without a bra? Well, I didn't see them topless. Yeah, Yeah, I wouldn't know. That's so cool. I wonder what that's all about. I don't even know why that's in my mind. I love that you just thought of that. I just felt like I needed to share that with you. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) All right. So, how do you know this? Uh, you know, my single days, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, you go to Boston, Look at you, party this guy. Night, you know, <laughs> you end up hanging out. Actually, I went to a bar one night. I don't want to get too gross. My, my girls are going to listen to this, but, uh, I went to a bar one night and I, and I was talking to a girl and she was telling me she had one. Oh. This is like probably the third or the fourth girl that night that I spoke to that was oh telling God. me. And, uh, you know, she offered in the bar to show it to the people that I was with. And? So, so we saw it. <laughs> Just one side or two? Uh, she, or you don't remember? She, well, there was two sides. She took one. It was one at a time. Though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted the details, I was just curious. Huh? All right. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I think um, a good example uh, that I want to share is just a couple mm-hmm. months ago. I want to say late March. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I also want to share that I'm human, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my business, things, I, I just... I had a stroke of bad luck. Right. You know, I had a house that I was going to sell in Chelsea, probably, you know, priced approximately $6 million. We had been talking to the seller for two years. It was locked. It was ours. We had the agreement. They decided they didn't want to sell anymore. We had another agreement, a verbal agreement with these sellers that we were working with for a couple months. It was in the bag. We were sending them comp reports, just very active with them. And the last minute, they decided that they wanted us to come in, give them a pitch, and you know, against someone that they were referred to that was a family friend, which there was no shot. You know, it would have been a complete waste of time. And then a couple other things happened. And I don't know what happened because, um, you know, I really stay mindful of my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Uh, I meditate Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. I haven't missed a day in probably 18 months. Um, And I'm very mindful even when I'm walking or listening to music, uh, always in meditation, always in prayer, mm. more so, more mm-hmm. and more. The more I do it, the more mm-hmm. I, I feel it and do it. But I I don't know. I, I felt like uh, I allowed myself to feel bad, mm-hmm. and then I allowed myself to feel fatigued, mm-hmm. and then I allowed myself to keep my head on my ass. And I was just like, holy shit, like, mm-hmm. what's happening? And I never, like, talked about it with Alana, my partner, who you guys will listen to tomorrow. We'll be back here with her. But I don't know what happened. And... You know, I just felt like I needed to reach out for help. And I know, mm-hmm. like, in one of the episodes recently, we had talked about, like, being able to reach out for help and, you know, taking that step and it being okay and yeah. it being a strength to be able to ask for help mm-hmm. because it's not a bad thing to do. So I end up contacting Sarah. I end up contacting Stephen. And this is why I love you. You know, I really... That was a very hard thing for me to do because mm-hmm. I've been an entrepreneur since I'm 19 years old. So I've always navigated out of every situation, like by myself and for myself. And I think the thing that's beautiful about our business specifically, aside from the fact of everything you mentioned, Mm -hmm. which are all the reasons why I love it. I don't like having a schedule and, Mm -hmm. you know, I like having a different day every day is that you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. And I dig that about our stuff and what we do. So I met with you. I asked for help. You guys are like, what's going on? You know, I tried to explain it to you without getting too much into detail of like where my mindset was at because it was really in a gutter, mm-hmm. like really. Mm-hmm. And so my business really slowed down. I have a wife. I have two kids. So that could 
scary. Yeah, it gets real scary. And it Mm -hmm. can get scary fast. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've been uh, in places where I'm at the peak and I've been at places where I'm in the valley. Mm -hmm. And I was just talking to Lee before you came in here. And I think uh, over the years, um, experiencing those things has made me feel incredibly humble. Mm -hmm. And when people are going through those things, um, I really understand them. And um, I really try to be thoughtful and cautious and careful. And I really try to serve those people if I can, if they allow me. So when you spoke to us, and Alana was there too, and Stephen was there, I didn't know how it was going to feel, you know? And the initial, initially, I didn't feel so good after I left. I really? didn't. Yeah. Why? That was, I think I was just too much into my head still. Mm. And then the second time we met, I felt great. And I was like, wow, I feel really good. And I feel like this was really helpful. It was helpful the first round too, but I needed it to resonate and I was still like fucked up. Mm -hmm. So once it resonated and I went through the second time and I walked away, I was like, holy shit, like they made me feel really good. Mm -hmm. Long story short, the first thing I wanted to tell you today, because I already had a moment with Steven and I saw him Mm -hmm. at the office, is that I wanted to thank you so much for for doing that and being who you are and, and, um, you know, your support, your comfort. Uh, and also the fact that, you know, you really meant what you said and you really made an effort to, like, make all the things we discussed happen. Mm. And so since late March, and again, I'm not saying this to impress anybody, but to impress upon you that you helped. And so the glad. reason why you helped was as soon as we left, we had a contract and then we sold the property. Then we had another listing that we put on the market and we have a contract on that. Then we had a buyer that we were working with. We have a contract on that. Then we got another uh, listing, <laughs> and we have a contract out on that. And um, and then one of our sellers also is a buyer, and we're supposed to get a contract signed this week on that. And then actually today, between 11 and 12, um, it's funny, I have this client that I work with. Uh, she lives in Monaco, very important woman, and uh, very, very lovely, beautiful woman. She has two daughters. They work together. Uh, they all... They all do their own thing, but as a family, she discusses every transaction and she involves the kids, so everyone's mm-hmm. making the decision together. And I think that's such a good mm-hmm. idea for a family because mm-hmm. you never know what's going to happen. You don't know if, like, God forbid, something happens to her and the kids are left in the fucking dark. For sure. Anyway, she owns a really beautiful property on the Upper East Side. Mm-hmm. I met her six years ago. They were like, this is what we want to price our property. And I was like, no fucking way. It's not going to happen. Uh, but what about renting it? And I'm not a big guy into renting but the apartment was designed so beautiful so stylish Mm. and so just gorgeous i was like what if we rent your apartment furnished i could probably get you like 12 13,000 a month she's like really i was like yeah in this market especially yeah so we listed it six years ago we got her like 12,000 13,000 uh and so every one to two years we're renting it furnished she's netting 70,000 a month i don't want to talk about business but it's just the point of what we're talking about so I see an apartment very similar to hers came on the market about a month ago. And I send her an email. I'm like, yo, I said, I don't know if you're interested or maybe one of your friends are interested. And I was like, this is a good situation where we can now take all the people who call us about the furnished that want unfurnished for you to roll those people into an unfurnished and we can do the same thing. And she didn't respond. Mm. (laughs) So last week I'm sitting at my desk, Alana's there. And she's like, Danny, look, they just dropped the apartment that we were looking at, $300,000. So I call her back up, 
and I sent her a message, excuse me, email, and I'm like, listen, you never responded about this, but this was reduced $300,000, and I think you can get it for a little bit less. And it almost matches the number that she bought her apartment wow. for in 2009. However, the wow. most recent cop, comp is $300,000 above what the asking price now is. So you're immediately going to like a couple hundred thousand in equity, right? So I send her that message. She calls me before the end of the day. She's like, Danny. She's got this crazy <laughs> Italian accent, but she lives in Monaco. And uh, she's like, I'm interested. Give me 24 hours. <laughs> I was like, all right. So she calls the next day and she's like, let's do it. Long story short, we're, uh, we just gave our best and final. And so we're waiting for the answer today. But all of these things and the momentum and mm -hmm. the business and um, all of these things happened uh, directly as the spark that came from our talk and spending time together. Well, it, it came from you, you know, and, and when people come in, in those moments, when they're kind of on a, you know, just not feeling great or or in not the best headspace, as you explained. I didn't feel that from you. I get excited for people. I think it sounds crazy, but I always know that that's a critical juncture in somebody's life, and it's an opportunity to make positive change and shifts in the business, which really result in thinking in a different way, and that always spills into your personal life, you know? So I think the ability to be vulnerable and say, hey, I could use a hand or I can use, you know, just a powwow just to talk about things is very, it's it's brave to do something like that, especially if it's hard for you. Yeah, but you also make it very easy. Mm -hmm. You know, I think why I'm so attracted to turning to you, you mm -hmm. know, for help, especially professionally, mm -hmm. is that I really think that you do care I sure. really, really believe that. Of course. And I really believe that you're a very open person. Mm -hmm. And I think just like getting to know you on a personal level, like when we, you know, when we did our dinners or, or whatever, when we hang out, um, I feel close to you, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm a very emotional human being, and I'm a cancer. You're a cancer. He's a cancer, Of course, too. of course. So, that's why I love you, because right. you're all heart, <laughs> you're mush. But that's what I need. Yeah. Those are the type of people I need mm -hmm. around me, you know? Like, you know, all these years, uh, I, you know, this is the first time in my life where I have the right group of friends around me, mm. which is for that's the last huge. 20 years. And then I have the right professional support mm. and love around me also. Mm. You know, with Alana being my partner, you know, with you like being at the helm of what we do and Steven and, and Bess. And really, I don't care for anyone else. Mm. You know, that's, that's, that's my life. These are my groups of people. These are the people I meditate on, I pray for, and send love to every day. But what made you decide to go from brokerage and brokering to going into like management? Where did that shift come from? So when I, growing up, you know, I grew up in a divorced home, single mother in a sense. Uh, my dad was very depressed after my parents got divorced. And I always had in my mind, I didn't want to struggle the way my mom struggled growing up. And I always wanted to work. So I started working as a babysitter at like, I think, 12 years old for a dollar an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and I put every dollar into the bank that I made. and. So I was working at a very young age. So every job that I ever had, I always ended up becoming 
a teacher of some sort. So I, I would tutor children. I was a lifeguard, then I trained lifeguards. You know, I taught CPR at a very young age, and then I managed health clubs. Um, when I became a personal trainer, I, I managed the team of trainers. So when I was an agent, I would do my deals, and then we were a small brokerage, it was like 11 of us, and I would listen to people doing their deals, and I would say, hey, you know what, you should show this apartment, and oh, just call that landlord. I would try to deal doctor, just for fun, I loved it. And so when I moved back to New York, I had very good mentorship and training and um, in Boston and then the same in New York. And I was um, in a boutique office off of City Habitats. It was like a high-end luxury brand off of City Habitats with Terry Naini. Actually, okay. she was in my office. I just and, saw her the other day. Oh, you did? Slope, right on the street. Yeah. I love her. I love her. She's amazing. And she was amazing day one when yeah. she was in my office, too. I actually was with my wife. We were walking to the grocery store. Oh, really? And I saw Terry, and I never see her because I know mm. she's always in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife loved her, too. She's a, a spiritual being. I love her. Yeah. She's amazing. She's so chill. She is. Yeah. She really is. So I was there, and then... Corcoran was through NRT was acquiring. I started my career at City Habitat. Get out. I, Where? Yeah. I started when it was owned by Andrew Heiberger. Me too. Yeah. I think what, what office were I you was in? On, I was on an Upper East Side office. Which office? I forget. Or maybe it was at Murray Hill. It was like in the 30s, I think. Oh my God. I know which office I feel you're like in. We met. We pro that's how you know I probably know. Which manager was there? What's his face? Was it? Um, you're gonna say it. I know you're gonna say it. Brown. Howard hair. Boyer. Yeah, and he Howard was in the Upper East Side. He's got that little boutique. Yes. That little boutique. Yes. Is he still there? In the no. Upper no. Oh, uh, Howard Boyer. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I yeah. don't know. So, so I used you to were work with, with him. Oh wow! Yeah. So you had some training. Yeah. You had some training. Yeah. That's like the real deal. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. So I was there. So when. Corcoran, they didn't really acquire, but whatever. Whatever happened with Corcoran and City Habitats through NRT, before that happened, I was going to become a Corcoran agent. So the head of HR said, he didn't tell me, but he said, why don't you come over to City Habitats? And I said, I wouldn't become an agent there. I would only do it if I were a manager. And Andrew said, hire her as a sales manager. And that's how it happened. And I was I was nervous to make the transition. But also the money is completely different. Totally different. So what made you make that decision? My uncle was like a second father to me. Um, your and mom's side or your dad's my side? My mom's side. Okay. Uh, very, he's published everyone you, you, he's met everyone you know, celebrity wise and, and important people in the world. He's published a zillion of those people. Um, and so he's always been like my professional and life mentor in addition to my mother. Um, and so I remember calling him and saying, hey, I was just offered this. And he said, Sarah, you know what? You could always go back to being an agent. Why don't you just try it? You have nothing to lose. It's it's steady income. And give it a shot. It's it's an opportunity. And I said, you know what? You're right. And it was just like the minute I started, it was a little intimidating for me because I was very young. I was 26 years old. Mm -hmm. And I was working with brokers who were very seasoned in addition to new agents. And they were a lot of them were a lot older than me. And, and arrogant. How did you carry yourself through that? Especially um, when you were that young with people that were seasoned that probably felt in some ways like, why is this person in this position? Because the, the key is, is I think you have to, the, the, the main 
thing. I heard this quote that I love. People don't care what you know until they know you care. And that's kind of how I've always guided myself in life and professionally, where I just would talk to them as if they were people, and I made sure that they knew that I was there for them. They didn't work for me, I work for them. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what it was all about. And people you know, adopted me very quickly, and they saw that I was there to help. And then when they saw technically that I could help them, that was when our, you know, the relationship was solidified. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about your childhood a second. Okay. Because you were talking about yes. something that's very important. You were mm-hmm. like, I didn't ever want to be in a position where I couldn't take care of myself, especially yeah. since I saw my mom struggle. Yeah. You've also mentioned to me in the past, like there were times in your life as you were growing up, you felt less than yes. others. Yeah. I want you to talk about that a little mm-hmm. because I think what you felt in those days was very common to how a lot of people feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even my wife felt that way mm-hmm. about her life, you know, and had those similar feelings that you had when she was coming up. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, of course, of course. This is all about, like, where you came from, how you made it happen, why you're making it happen. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole season came across because of my daughters, and I wanted to just interview um, successful people, specifically women, Mm -hmm. um, because I wanted them to have something to turn to for inspiration Mm -hmm. and understand, like, you're capable of having and doing whatever you want. Take a look at all these people and all these ladies that we interviewed. All all different, you. you know, all different types of lifestyles, you know? Mm -hmm. So talk about that a little bit. So a couple of things. Um, I'm the youngest of four, and um, my siblings are so smart, so, so smart, and amazing people. Well, it sounds like you are too, by the way. I didn't even know you went to Harvard. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. That's bananas. It It was a really cool experience. And, you know, I'll just say with Harvard, People don't know this. It's, it's a post-baccalaureate program, pre-med program. You have to apply, but anyone, in a sense, can go. You just have to get through the courses. And so growing up, I'm Jewish. And I grew up, my father was Israeli. I want all the bags. <laughs> all the bags, all the loops. Give them to me. All of them. Everything in the window. <laughs> I didn't have that upbringing. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. So my dad, my dad grew up in, you know, he was Israeli, Holocaust family, survived, the only survivors from uh, his family. They moved to Israel. My dad moved to America with nothing. He was starving. And um, he fought in a war. I think he had post-traumatic stress and a lot of depression. That was probably what affected my parents' marriage. Um, We only realized that much, much later in life because, you know, mental health was not, you know, as, it just wasn't as... um, Like relevant. Relevant and in the forefront, exactly, as it is today. So yeah, so growing up, um, I went to a religious school, I had dual curriculum, and I struggled a lot. So that in and of itself was what got into my mind of like, I'm, I felt like the, the remedial kid, you know, like the I felt stupid, you know, because I couldn't 
get through a lot of my classes. I had a lot of issues with language um, because I was learning two languages and then just my comprehension, my reading was really below average. My math and science was fantastic, but I was in the lower level classes. So that was number one. Then I grew up in, um, in a neighborhood that was it was Riverdale, New York. And Riverdale is known to be a very Jewish area. But my father said the only way I'm moving to Riverdale is if we go to North Riverdale because it just was more low-key. So it just so happened that North Riverdale was a pretty anti-Semitic neighborhood. And so I would walk two miles to synagogue every Saturday with my siblings and my family. And there were times where, you know, the kids in the neighborhood would, you know, make fun of us, try to start physical fights with us. So that made me always feel like I'm not cool. I'm not smart. I, that's what was, those were the limiting thoughts and beliefs that were constantly circulating through my mind. In high school, I went to a religious high school and it was totally different from my elementary school. I went to a really cool elementary school that literally had no walls no walls, the entire school, which was the philosophy, no limits, no boundaries. It was amazing. I loved it. But the high school I went to was very strict, very religious. And I'll never forget one day I walk into school and I was wearing a skirt that was at my knees and they said, you go home, me. You know, they said, go home, you come in. And the people they were letting in, I knew those people and I thought to myself, those people aren't nice people. They might go by the rules. They they abide by those things, but they're not nice. I'm a good person, and I'm being sent home. And yeah, of course, you have to abide by dress code, but it wasn't anything bad. It was just like it wasn't a long, long skirt. And that really didn't resonate with me. And I remembered I went home, and I said to my mom, I said, Mom, if you want me to be Jewish, you'll get me out of this school. I can't stay there anymore. I didn't want to be associated with people that valued a person based on just the exterior shell. And it was really hard for her to do that because I was on a scholarship. People would told her we wasted money on you and your child. They really gave her a hard time when I went to, I ended up going to public school. Our whole community was against her. But the fact that she stood by me and trusted me and empowered me, that was the turning point in my life. And I ended up having more than a 4.0 average. I was in AP classes. I was new in uh, junior year. I was new to a high school. Everybody had their cliques. And I just walked in and I was like, I want to be here because it's free. And I could be who I want to be and who I am. And I became class president, representative, all this stuff. And it was just a phenomenal turning point in my life for me, myself, my confidence. And I was really happy. And really from that point on, I just always followed. I, I learned to trust myself, you know, and, and ignore the voice of you're not good enough, you can't, all of those limiting thoughts that I put on myself. Nobody told me that. No one said you're stupid. 
you're bad, you're anything. I had a very loving upbringing, but I just, I was a hard critic on myself. And you always say that to me. You're really tough on yourself. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a, it can be a blessing, but it's, it's mostly, a, a, you know, it's not the best thing, you know, but it does drive people to achieve. But I think at the end of the day, achievement is great, but you have to feel good while you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. And that's where I am right now in my life. You know, just trying to enjoy what I do, not focused on not focus on the next, the the getting, the getting, the getting, which we get caught up in a lot, especially in New York City, because we're yeah. a very competitive place. So what do you think's changed about you over the last ten years? Like is there something like for me, like every time I take a look mm -hmm. at myself and just get self aware. Yeah. My the things that I think that I wanted or that I loved completely change yeah. you know, over the course of five, ten years. So what do you feel like is different about you, for example, from then to today? Yeah, so I went through probably about ten years ago a huge shift in my life where I would say yes to everything. I didn't say I didn't want I like such a people pleaser by nature. And it got me to a point where I was physically sick from it. Like, I talk about this to managers across the country. Um, I get flown into Chicago to speak on this topic. And what amazes me about that is every time I do this talk, I have at least 10 people that come over to me and say, I'm going through the same thing right now. Thank you for sharing that. So. I was just always for everyone else but myself. And I don't think people know, and I always tell you, mm -hmm. like, your stamina is unbelievable. <laughs> like, I get tired, like, knowing what you're doing and, like, what your schedule is. Like, you could tell me what you're doing for the week, and it'll fucking put me right to sleep. But you do you know like, that wow, that's exhausting. nothing. That's nothing compared to what I used to do. I was crazy. manic. Totally manic. Yes, 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 yes. And to the point where, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I always tell this when I speak to managers. There was one day where I was dating somebody. I called him and I said, I had to pick up my dog from doggy daycare. It was a block away from my office. I had to get on an express train to go to the Upper East Side. I called him and I said, I don't think I can do it. I think I'm going to faint. And I remember I picked up my dog. I went home. I had my coat on. My, my hat was still on my shoes. It was 7 o'clock at night. I fed him and I laid in bed and woke up the next morning. I was done. Wow. Totally done. I had this thing called um, adrenal fatigue. I was just on adrenaline constantly, and my adrenals were just tapped out. And I didn't. No one knew what was going on. But one of my agents, his wife, she's um, she practices Chinese medicine. She said, "You have adrenal fatigue," and most people misdiagnose that as depression. I wasn't depressed. I was like the opposite. I was just physically done. And so that was a huge turning point in my life where I needed to nourish myself physically, mentally, and emotionally. And that's been my journey, just to make sure that I'm taking care of myself while still being of service to others, but just not at my own expense. Mm -hmm. So that's something like you say that you meditate all the time. My husband is, is a very, he's one of the most spiritual beings I know. And what he always says is that 
meditation just means awareness and you could do that all day every day so that is my practice of trying to always be aware of what I'm thinking and because thinking is what drives everything right it drives your emotional state it's yeah. where you start right yeah. what your what thoughts go through your yeah. mind yeah. and that's where you have to say like are these thoughts real do they make sense are they true or not and that's that's a very long answer to your question yeah, yeah, yeah. of how yeah. I've changed in the last 10 years. No, it's crazy because you, you have to have, you know, you have control over your thoughts if you're mindful and you're mm -hmm. aware of your thoughts to, to ask yourself, is this a good thought? Is this thought helping me? Right. Is what I'm saying true? Do I believe this? And if it's not true, what, you know, why isn't it true? You know, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever the source is. But, um, yeah, I find that, a, I find that really beautiful as I'm getting older and meditating and, you know, and turning some meditation into prayer. I was never, you know, big on prayer, um, but I feel a difference in me and mm -hmm. in my life and in my surroundings with it. So, well, I think that that's how you're attracting all of the people that don't resonate with your energy are just going to fall out. Yeah, and you're going to just keep attracting people that are on a higher vibration because you're operating at a higher vibration. Yeah. You know, are they, people say opposites attract. I think it's the opposite of that. It's like attracts like, you right. know, think there's resonance, you know, to things. So how did you meet your husband? Oh, through the Kabbalah Center. Oh, really? Yes. So how did you didn't happen? know that? No. How does oh. that work? So, okay. So I... A quick question before you yes, tell me that. Yes, of course. Do you go to holistic doctors? No, okay. I don't. I was just curious. I, I go to an osteopath who's like a combination of traditional medicine but alternative mixed into that. Like she'll give me supplements versus a prescription if she feels that that's appropriate. You know, she doesn't go to the prescription first. Okay. Yeah. Now. Kabbalah said. How did you yes. meet this guy okay. at the Kabbalah Center? Because, you know, people don't know that you're madly in love. And yes. You get really dirty and nasty with him. So. <laughs> I want to know how this all came to, okay. came to so, so fruition. We'll rewind back to Boston. I was working at the gym, and I got into a pretty big car. It could have been a horrible car accident, but it wasn't. So at the time, my mom was studying Kabbalah. Hashem was with hey. you. By the way, not Always. to cut you off, the yeah. only reason why I said I want all the bags yeah. is my wife used to work at the mall uh -huh. at Charles David in Florida, yeah. like the shoes, yeah. and across the way was a Louis Vuitton store. Oh, my God. And so she was young, and she was, you know, my wife thinks she's funny. She is funny, and she's very weird. <laughs> I have to meet her. But she would call the store every day, and she would say, hi, this is whatever, and she'd be like, I want all the bags, <laughs> all the bags in the window, I'm looking at them, just, just get, send me all the bags. And every day she would phony phone call this oh Louis Vuitton God. and just fuck with whoever was like working that I day, saying she wants all the bags. What was that? The the original prank callers, the brothers. Do you remember that? I know who you're talking oh, about. Oh, hysterical Saul and oh my God, that was so great. So go on. Okay, so I was in this car accident. My mom was studying Kabbalah, so that's like the spiritual uh, realm of Judaism, yeah. and. Uh, she used to tell me all about it. So she put this necklace on me. She said, this is for protection. I find that interesting that yeah. she, you guys grew up so religious and then she's yeah. into Kabbalah. That's yes. a big shift. Huge. That's huge. a huge fucking shift. When my parents got divorced, my mom stopped being religious. She was religious for my dad. Wow. So, um, and she pursued spirituality because it was 
there was more meaning behind the things that she, like all these rules that she was following. She didn't understand why she was doing all Where of that. Where is she now? Where does she live now? She passed my mom oh, two so years sorry. ago. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Thank Shit. you. No, it's why all good. No, no, it's no, all no, good. Go Part of the journey, you yeah. know? So, um, so anyway, so she put this necklace on me. She said, this is for protection. And things completely shifted in my life after that. Who knows if it was coincidence or not. When I moved back to New York, she said, why don't you come to the Kabbalah Center? It's a great place to meet people, and I think you'll enjoy it. And I really did. That was in 2003. And, you know, went through all these different relationships. But I was really in a place, I think, when I met my husband where I was ready. Because I think, you know, like, the most important part of meeting the right person, I think, is really being good with yourself. And it was just like, I feel like the right time. He he ended up coming to the Kabbalah Center. He's not religious at all, but spiritual. And we were actually just friends. I tried to set him up with a friend of mine. Oh, so and you guys met at we the met. Kabbalah Center. We met. So you're like shooting the shit, yeah. you're talking, you're friends. Yeah, we were friends, actually. You didn't feel any type of attraction, though, No, at he all? annoyed me. It was uh, hysterical. He had just come out of a relationship, and I could say this because I've said this to him. He was just like in a bad spot. And, you know, I just wasn't attracted to that energy, you know. Yeah. And I was dating somebody. He was kind of dating somebody. Then I broke up. He broke up. And my dog, I just lost him and I was in the right place. And I remembered I was hanging out with him at one of the dinners they had for Shabbat. And I looked at him and I was like, how did I not see this? And it just boom from there. Hold that on. was it. Hold the fuck up. Okay. You're at a Shabbat dinner. Yeah. And you suddenly look at him. Yeah. And you're like. He looked different. You're like, I'm feeling this guy. Yes. You know what it was? He had a different vibe. He got over his heartbreak. He was like back to himself, who, you know, you've really not spent any time with. You've never met him, right? No. He's just this awesome, fun, great guy, Listen, sexy dude. as hell. Yes, I got questions. He yes. Like a, is he a hairy guy? No. He's not hairy anymore? Not at all. Just straight, sexy, and bald? Straight, sexy. Right. I got a question for you. How did you hook up the first time? How did that happen? Who made the first move? I'm trying to remember. He did. It was really sweet. It was old school. It was really old school. <laughs> what was old school? It was so he old school. He hooked up with you? Well, well, when you say hook up, you mean kiss, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. We're talking about kiss. PG. So, um, our conversations are so fucking high school, but I love our fucking <laughs> conversations. We could sit down and fucking gossip for, for hours, hours, days, like, days. Oh, oh, like she was either like, like my sister or my cousin mm -hmm. or like something in my past life. Brother, where, like, brother and sister, hundred percent. Like, you guys got so much to catch up. Oh my god, we could talk for days. We'll let the tape run out. I know. I gotta watch the time. <laughs> yeah, right, of course. Hold on, listen. So. Okay, so how did he we kiss did, you? We the need first to make time? a volume out of this. I know. <laughs> so, okay, okay. We need to just take a yes, and make I'll a do it. it I'll do it all day. And I just want to say before you answer yes. that question, she is very stylish. She is wearing like a lovely white dress, a really nice pair of kicks. The first thing I noticed about her today were her nails because I've never seen nails yeah, done like that. Wacky nail art. No, I think they look so. This fucking is from cool. Brooklyn. Long brown hair, bright blue eyes. Eyebrows on fleek. For you. I did them for him today. Hey. Eyebrows on what? What was that? Fleek. On fleek. On fleek. Okay. It means her eyebrows look good. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of whack eyebrows in New York. She knows how to so take funny. care of herself. 
So how did he kiss you the first time? So it was super sweet. So keep in mind, we're friends, right? And he's telling me about this girl that he's trying to pursue, la la la. This is after the Shabbat dinner? No, this is during... Yes, it's around that time. So we're talking. We end up hanging out so many different times, just talking as friends. We shut down every single bar. They had to say, you got to go, you got to go. So we were just yap, 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 yap. And never drinking and being at the bar late, you never were like, yo, I'm going to hook up with this guy right now? Like, you never felt the urge to just, like, I'm weird that way. I'm very... I get funny like that. Like, I'm just like, I get nervous. But with him, I was never nervous. But I feel like one of you at that point in time... At a certain point, it was getting there. It was getting there. But, you know, like being a good Kabbalah student, their, their whole idea is that it's good to exercise restraint on your instincts, like your physical instincts, right. to get to know a person right. for who they are but that also and not jump into the physical. Really fucking hot when it does 100,000 percent. Right, so how did he yes. kiss you? So anyway, so at a certain point, it was like, okay, we're more than friends. So he's like, oh, do you want to go out to dinner? You want to do that? So we go out to dinner. And at the end of the dinner, I could tell he was nervous. He was like, so, you know, we've been hanging out a lot. And I was just wondering if you would want to be more than friends. It was so cute. That's and so, cute, yeah. yeah, it was so nice. So I was like, That's sure. Wholesome. It was wholesome. Yeah, That's real. He's wholesome. Yeah. And so... So I said, yes, of course. So he was leaving for Israel the next day on a long trip. So he walks me to a taxi and just kissed me. He was like, okay, goodbye. Yeah, or an Uber, I don't remember. And he like, he kissed me. And then I was like, okay, bye. And I was like, so awkward. (laughs) But then... When he got back from Israel, we hung out. We went Were to you this. Thinking about him the whole time. Hundred percent. Yes, and we just—I don't know. It was so cool. So then, when we kissed for real, we were at this Arabic place in uh, Midtown, and it was so much fun. We were smoking hookah, listening to sick music, live music, and we just made out the whole night. Just vibed out. That vibed out. That sounds pretty hot. What yes. Do you think, Lee? Absolutely. I'm loving the story. Continue. That's a good story. (laughs) I mean, I can get more personal because I really want more details, but like, I want to stay appropriate. Yeah. So I'm going to stay But I'll just say that we waited a while. Really? To bang? (laughs) See, I don't call it that. But yes. You know what I'm saying. Yes. We did. Wow. We did. We even went on vacations together. It was tough. You went on vacations together and didn't do anything? It was tough. He was Mr. Wholesome. He was Mr. Wholesome and patient, poor thing. But, um... Yeah, but you too. You have to be patient also, right? Totally. You know, girls act like they're not animals too. Oh my God, hundred you know? percent. But even more a lot of times. But I'm glad. I'm glad we. I'm glad we waited because we really formed, in addition to like this amazing chemistry, the most incredible friendship. He's my best friend on the planet. All I want to do is, you know, just hang out See, like you are you, with your wife. You yeah. yeah. You. But my we form that like we form that bond, you know, like because this is kind of personal, but you know, like for me once I cross that line, I want to do that all the time yeah. and I wanted to th- really form the real relationship. Yeah. 
and then have fun. She's probably like, holy shit, she's crazy. Cray, cray. <laughs> she's like, holy shit, I didn't know. That's right. <laughs> now I do. <laughs> <laughs> Worth the wait. <laughs> anyway, and he's got that amazing restaurant. Mm-hmm. I love that place. Blossom. Yes. I love yes. it. Vegan. So how did vegan. The, vegan, the whole vegan restaurant thing happen? So he, we got to leave soon, but I want to. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I, so Ronan, um, Ronan is Israeli, and he grew up in a Persian and Yemen house, mm-hmm. and Israel is like a melting pot of food. He was not vegan as a child, but when he moved to New York, he started studying meditation. He he just went on a meditation retreat, saw a cow and looked at her eyes and said, I'm not doing this anymore. I was a vegetarian from uh, like eight, since I was eight, for the same reasons. I didn't want to eat animals. So Ronan's like a really athletic guy, loves food, and was starving in New York. So (laughs) being like, he's an entrepreneur at heart. He uh, uh, moved here for acting and just was like opening businesses and was like restaurants are my next business. So he opened Blossom with his wife at the time, who was also vegan. And they they were really the pioneers in addition to the candle organization. They were the pioneers. I haven't been to his new location university place, but I was at the location in Chelsea. Yes. That was their flagship. Yeah. Where where is it? It was in it's it's on university place between tenth and eleventh. Yes. So I used to live right Mm -hmm. like Yeah. Not far. My dad's on on between tenth and eleventh. On On university university place. place. Yeah. So I had a dinner, I had a dinner meeting and the dinner meeting was at Blossom. And so I went there and I fucking was like, holy shit. People can't believe it. I fucking went to town in that moment. Yes. And it feels like you're eating whatever the fuck like you eat, but it all it all tastes the same. But yeah. it's like but it's vegan. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. So yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I really like That was his mission to make vegan food for foodies so that they wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. But also I think it's nice, like I'm not vegan, but I you know, there was a point that I was really like trying to go that route, but it's it's gotten to the point where like I had gotten so used to when I did do it mm-hmm. that I like to incorporate vegan into yeah. my life, vegan meals. Yeah. So like I think it's such a wonderful, beautiful, delicious, tasty. Yay! Thank restaurant. you. So glad we're and, also on the uh, Upper West. That's yeah. that is like and I think it has vegan booze there too, like vegan vodka. Um, Upper West Side, they have a full... Now, downtown has a full bar. Chelsea had the bar. Chelsea didn't have a bar. They were beer and wine. Okay, I knew I got... But maybe they had some interesting stuff with that. I remember getting drunk there. Well, that's usually how all my stories end. Where is it on the Upper West? They're uh, 84th and Columbus. That's a very large location, and it is jammed. Thank God. Really jammed. All right, listen, we got to wrap this up. All right? Um, I knew the time would fly by. Always. And... I really want to say thank you thank for making you. time and coming here. Ah. Um, what about you? Is there any like last bits of advice you can share before you go, like for any person that um, is looking for a purpose or um, is looking to find joy or happiness or you know create success or abundance or prosperity in their life? Like, what advice up until this point of your life can you give that you think can really help somebody change the quality of their life? I think it's important to ask for help if and seek out the people that you feel can help you. Um, But the most important journey is within, to go within and know that we're here to enjoy life. And that's really what it's all about. And that's not selfish, you know, to just really find joy and happiness in everything that you do. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Look at the smile, I love it. 
I love it. Lee, you got any closing remarks today? Uh, this was awesome. I love your story. You know, look oh, at that smile. So sweet. I know. Thank she, you. So she always amazing. smiles. Yeah. She always smiles. Thank it's like the most beautiful thing. What a wonderful energy you have. Always Thank happy. you. So yes. Thank you. She's like a big fucking light in a room. Any room she walks into, <laughs> you got to put so it on sweet. stage. You're like, what? <laughs> All right, well, guys, thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow. Well, you won't see me tomorrow, but I'm going to be back in the studio tomorrow uh, with my partner, business partner, Lana Normal. I can't wait. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here, really. I love you guys. We fucking love you, Sarah. I love you, Sarah. Sarah, 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 Sarah. We got to get Persian a little bit here. Amazing.